Hello and welcome to the Double Double. My name is David Dixon and it is Saturday, July 10th here in New York City. Hope everyone is off to a really great weekend. A lot of basketball talk. Suns up 2-0 in the NBA Finals. They were able to take Thursday night's game in Phoenix. They hold serve 108 Sorry, 118-108. to 108. Suns now up 2-0. Sh- series shifting back to Milwaukee. Game 3 is tomorrow night uh, in, in Milwaukee. So we're going to talk Game 2, what kind of happened with some with some previews for, for Game 3 uh, strategy-wise and just, and just some things to look for. And then we're going to finish up with a quick... Uh, Cade Cunningham scatter report the way that we did for Jalen Suggs earlier this week. Cunningham is another top, top prospect in this draft. Really impressive player and one of my favorite players to watch last year in college. So I'm excited to get to all that. But we're going to start today. Game two, Bucks suns Now, this was a game just like game one where if you just if you didn't watch the game but just looked at the box score, a couple things would jump out. The first is Giannis was absolutely incredible, which was true. 42 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, 15 for 22 from the field, 11 for 18 from the free throw line. Super, super aggressive Giannis performance. He was terrific. The other thing that would immediately jump out, the Bucks were 9 for 31 from 3, and the Suns were 20 for 40. And when you take that difference with the free throw difference, where the Bucks were 15 for 23 from the line and the Suns were 12 for 14, the three-point line was the difference in that in 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 game two because it wasn't just the number of shots that Phoenix hit, but it was the timing of it. It was late in the game as Milwaukee was pushing. They would cut it to eight. They would cut it to seven. They'd get it to six, and the Phoenix would come back, hit a three, then hit another three, so the lead would get back to nine, get get back to eleven. You know, Devin Booker, 7 for 12 from 3. Paul makes 3. Bridges makes 3. Crowder hits 3. Johnson hits 2. Torrey Craig hits 2. In big moments that these shots were going in, it was a really impressive shooting performance by Phoenix. They are a tough team to guard. Now, we're going to talk about them first because they were the winners. Their ball movement and shooting is obviously really, really impressive. They had one possession and I want to say it was the second quarter. It may have been the, the third quarter where they passed the ball around so much. I initially thought that they were overpassing, but they must have thrown 12, 13 pass in the half court. Ends with a and one dunk. Um, just an incredible offensive possession. The way that they can pass, that's an extreme example, but just the way that they move the ball in the half court. You know, they had 26 assists last night, or sorry, on, on Thursday night. Move the ball just extremely, extremely well. They're willing to give up a good shot for a better shot. They know who their shooters are. It's a benefit that they just have a lot of shooting on the court, so they're willing to pass two shooters. It was a really impressive offensive performance by Phoenix. And one of the biggest keys to their win was they were able to keep DeAndre Ayton on the court. Now, Dario Saric, he got injured, I want to say game, yeah, he got injured uh, game one, day-to-day, seems, or sorry, not not day-to-day, tore his ACL, seemed like a, you know, it was bad in the moment. The Suns don't have a backup big guy. 
a true backup big guy because Sarge was playing the five for them. He was their backup five. He's only about 6'9", 6'10". The Suns don't really have a backup true size coming off the bench because they have Kaminsky, but he played 52 seconds. They go small when they have to go to the bench. The ability to keep Aiton on the court for 42 minutes by him being able to, one, stay out of foul trouble is just incredibly impressive. Two, having him defensive rebound and also be able to to guard either Lopez, be able to guard P.J. Tucker, attempt to guard Giannis because Giannis is unguardable and for basically anybody. It's was That was a huge, huge part of the game was if you watch Milwaukee, they seemingly had to take their size off the court while Phoenix was able to keep their size on the court. And that was huge in, in, in the fourth quarter where there was a bunch of possessions in a row where the Suns were getting offensive rebound after offensive rebound. You know, the, the key possession of the game was Bucks down six. Connaughton misses a good shot, you know, open shot, made a bunch of threes in this game. He just missed it. Suns come down, up six, miss, offensive rebound, miss, offensive rebound. Chris Paul, corner three, bang, nine-point game. That was the 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 momentum killer for it felt like Milwaukee in that game and and that's a, a, a testament to the 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 Bucks went small but the but the Suns were able to keep their size on the court and th- that's going to be something to watch for going forward is can Milwaukee rebound and battle in their small lineup as the Suns play their sort of base lineup with Aiton and you know, a lot of overreaction has happened. Suns up 2-0. Is the series over? All this stuff. Remember, the Suns held serve. They did what they were supposed to do. It's 2-0. Obviously, if you're the Bucks, you don't want to be down 2-0. You, you'd rather it be 1-1 or even up 2-0. But the series, the, the famous line goes, the, a series doesn't start till someone wins on, on the road. And you're supposed to win the home game. So the Suns did what they were supposed to do. An impressive two wins. They are a really good team. But the Bucks have a lot of... A lot to be optimistic about, and they are not out of this series in, in any respect because one of the big takeaways for the Bucks in Game 2 was they can attack the rim, and they can attack the rim nonstop. The Suns cannot stop Milwaukee when they are at- attacking the basket. Giannis cannot be stopped. Lopez can't be stopped. The other guys, Middleton, Holiday, can't be stopped. In the first quarter, they they missed a bunch of really close shots. The Suns don't have the size or the depth to be able to withstand the Bucks attacking the rim on every single possession. They just don't. They don't have the guys. If they get in foul trouble, Aiton's their only rim protector. And if he gets in foul trouble early, who's going to play the center for for the Suns? Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson. Bridges, you know, maybe, but he's out guarding Chris Middleton. Torrey Craig, small ball five. If the Bucks can get Aiton off the court, which if they keep attacking the basket, Aiton's either the, the rim protector, he's either got to contest the shot or let guys score. It's going to be really tough, but they can attack the basket on every single play. And so it's frustrating at times to watch them because it's almost like it hasn't sunk in. And, and once it hits and sinks in the way they did it in the Atlanta series of, wait, wait, these guys can't guard us when we attack the rim. And then that opens everything else up. It just hasn't hit them yet. And I think 
if and once it does, that will be a game changer for the series as, you know, I don't know what Coach Bud can do to encourage it. One of my favorite sports movies of all time is the movie Major League, where the where the manager in that movie, Willie Mays Hayes, great speed, but in spring training, he keeps popping the ball up in batting practice and stuff. So he tells them that if the next time you hit a pop-up or don't hit the ball on the ground and, and use your, your speed, you have to do 10 push-ups or 20 push-ups, whatever it was. And then, you know, it's, it's a comedy movie, obviously. But is there some type of incentive to get Holiday to stop settling for those off-dribble, no-pass threes, dribble in mid-range shots because he when he attacks the rim he's an incredible player he can bully Chris Paul he's a strong physical guard Phoenix can't guard him when he takes these pull-up jump shots it's helping Phoenix he's got to get to the rim and all the way to the rim as he's a very good free throw shooter he's a good finisher can use his right and his left hand but when he gets to jump shot happy it's, it's a win for Phoenix. He's got to go back to the end of the Atlanta series where he's driving in for left-handed dunks, right-handed dunks, reverse layups, floaters, all that stuff. That's the Drew Holiday that Milwaukee needs, not the one who's working on his his jump shot game. Even though he can get to those shots, you can get a better shot, and, and that's sort of what Milwaukee has to go to. And they need to use Lopez when he's on the court. Now, I don't know what what the solution is for Brooke Lopez. I think you either have to decide you're going to play him a lot or you're not, or in certain lineups. But when he's on the court, they need to keep using him. And they need to keep using him near the basket because when they start the game, Jay Crowder is on him. Now, I know you want to get Giannis going and Chris Middleton, but if Lopez is on the court with Jay Crowder, that's a six-inch size advantage. Yes, Crowder is super strong, but so is Lopez. Get the ball inside, draw some fouls, get right to the rim as... They can't they, they they can't match it with size. You have to use size as your advantage. And if you don't use your size, you're helping Phoenix. So they have to one, just decide how Lopez is going to play, pick and roll defense, what strategy, how much he's going to play. But if they decide, hey, we're going to stick with them, you have to use them. Because Phoenix, when he's on the court, when Lopez is on the court and, and inside, they have to guard him. Otherwise, it's two points every single time. The other thing that they need to do is just keep trusting their shooters. Yes, they haven't shot well from from three in this series. Yes, they haven't shot well from three. This Really, this whole playoffs, they're below the regular season level. Keep trusting their shooters. Keep trusting Connaughton. Keep trusting Bryn Forbes. Keep trusting Bobby Portis. Keep trusting Middleton. All of those guys. And even if that means you have to play Connaughton and Forbes and Portis, you can do things in pick-and-roll defense that make you just don't have to switch. I talked about this last time. You don't just, with the screen comes up, you don't just have to be, okay, switch, and then be able to put in a bad matchup. There are ways to make the switch more difficult, make it take longer to get that matchup so that Booker and Paul have less time to decide what they want to do in that advantageous matchup, less time on the shot clock. There are there are ways to make it more difficult for Phoenix on offense, and when you do that, the ball's not pinging around. The ball is stuck because you're waiting for a particular matchup. And that's where Phoenix is not at their best is when just one guy dribble, 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 dribble. Oh, we're going to get a matchup and attack. Phoenix likes to attack quickly and move the ball and get the dominoes rolling. And if the Bucks can make them slow down a little bit on offense, I think that could be a big thing for, for game three. So, so some things to watch for in game three is 
if the Bucks come out and they're able to really attack the basket, does Phoenix go back to their 2-3 zone that they showed a little bit of, just a little bit of, in in game one? Because the zone can have a can have an effect of getting the Bucks to stop attacking the rim and settling for jumpers, which again is what the Suns want them to do. So watch to see if how much and, and if they go to any of that 2-3 zone. Big part is now the game is in 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 Milwaukee. The Bucks have a huge size advantage. If they're attacking the rim, how are the refs calling this game? Is if it's tight and Aiton gets in foul trouble or Crowder or Johnson, advantage Milwaukee. They have more depth with their big guys. The, how the refs, and you never want to say that the refs determine a game, but the refs have a real impact on the game. How are they calling it? How close are they calling it? And who are they calling the fouls on? That will be huge. And then the other thing, you know, game two, Middleton just shot really poorly. A lot of those shots are the shots that he's been making. You know, it, it's it's him. He's make or miss. Those are the shots that he's going to take. He missed a lot of them in game two. If he can bounce back and have a better shooting night game three, that'll be huge for Milwaukee as he only scored a, like 11 points. He was 5 for 16, 11 points, didn't get to the free throw line. I would bet he comes out super aggressive, getting to the free throw line. He's a great free throw shooter. He's going to hit some more sh- jumpers. All of a sudden, if, if he has... 21 points instead of 11 points this is a, a, a tie game and maybe they even win the game so a lot to look for in game in game three but those are the the three things the phoenix zone how the refs are calling it and, and how is middleton shooting the ball as those three things in my opinion uh can really determine and sort of tilt how game three goes as it's a must 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 obviously you know not rocket science there win for Milwaukee and can they and can Phoenix match their desperation level of being down 0-2 who knows but that game 8 o'clock ABC Sunday night I can't wait it should be another really really good exciting NBA finals game now next topic we're going to do a little Kate Cunningham draft scouting report he's a really good player he is the presumptive number one pick at this point 6'8", 220, uh, point guard from Oklahoma State. Uh, don't think he went to the combine, so don't have a wingspan or, or, or any of those types of measurements. He was a terrific player as as a freshman. 20 points a game, 6 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 43% from the field, 40 from 3, 80, basically 85 from the free throw line. In high volume, he took over 155 threes. 156 free throws. He was a good shooter on high volume numbers, which is a great sign if you're looking for a potential lead guard going forward. Now, some of you know the pros about him is he can really shoot. He is a good shooter, and he has great size. At 6'8", he's going to be able to get his shot off against guys in the NBA. He was able to do that at Oklahoma State. The other thing is he is a good passer. He sees the game really, really well, can can, can distribute the ball, good in the pick and roll of not just hitting the guy in front of him, but can hit the, the corners as well. There's just so much to be excited about about Cade Cunningham because you could go on for, for so long, but those are like his big pluses is that he's definitely a guard. He is definitely a guard at, at the next level. He can really shoot. He can finish around the rim. He is a good athlete. You know, is he a is he a plus athlete in the NBA to be seen? But he is a strong passer, can really shoot, can score, 
knows how to use his size. One of my favorite things about watching him was in certain matchups, instead of trying to break everyone down from the free throw line, they would run a play, get him the ball mid to low post, and he would go to work. And, and he would go draw a foul, attack the rim, and say, okay, I'm going to be 6'8 on this play, and you're only 6'2. He's going to, you know, a lot of pause about him. And a lot of ways, things to be excited about. He's likely will be the number one pick. It seems like Detroit uh, will take him. He's, I think, the best player in this draft. Super smooth on offense, great size, and he's clearly a guard at the next level. Now, there's a couple things, obviously, for areas of improvement for him. And the first thing is it may just be a product of one of his pros is that he is so smooth on offense and everything looks so easy and so natural, even though it's not easy, but it looks that easy. It's a question of how athletic is he? How hard does he play? All those types of things, it's you know unfair to him. And those are going to be some, some of the things that you hear about. Oh, maybe some negatives of like, oh, does he compete hard enough or any of that stuff? And it's because he can just he's so smooth and he get basically do whatever he wanted at Oklahoma State. He would basically spend the first half of the game reading it, deciding what his team needed, and being able to go out and execute that in the second half. Oklahoma State should not have made the tournament. He was the best player by far on that team. No other real NBA prospects yet on that team. And he took them to the Sweet 16. That's a great sign for an NBA team. This guy cares. He's a winner. So if you hear people talking about, oh, you know, does he play hard enough? That's all baloney. Baloney. Now, the thing that he may need to work on is he is a good, he was a good athlete in the Big 12, but at times he would sometimes struggle a bit with either ball pressure or getting past guys all the way to the rim. And now that may have just been a product of he knew he could just get to his jump shot and a really good jump shot. He didn't feel the need to every single time get all the way to the rim. But in the NBA, you know, if he can, if, if he can, if it's harder for him to break down guys in, in the Big 12, can he do that in the NBA? I just don't know. And I think he can really work on it because even if he's not a plus athlete, you know, in a foot race or can jump as high as Jalen Green or, or some of these other guys in, in this draft, he, you, athleticism is measured in many other ways. Like one guy he's being compared to a lot is Luka Doncic. Fair or unfair, he's being compared to Doncic. And because of the same things with Doncic about like when he was coming over from Real Madrid. Is he a plus athlete? What type of athlete is he? How can he compete with NBA athleticism? Well, Doncic probably is going to win any foot races with the with Russell Westbrook or uh, John Wall, some of the other incredibly fast NBA point guards. But Doncic is, has a really good first step where he can get by guys, and he knows how to use his body and decelerate and angles and euro steps. His body control is one of his best athletic traits. And if Cunningham can work on that and be and be a totally, totally in control of his body as he's driving to the rim to euro step around people, know exactly what step to take to get someone on his back so he could get to a little floater and not get blocked. All those types of things are athleticism. Even if he's not and one mixtape crossover, break someone down, windmill on someone's head like some of these other guys are, 
that doesn't really work in the NBA one to to begin with. And you can still score a lot in the NBA at the guard level, even if you're not a plus plus athlete. It's using your advantage and uh using using your advantage and knowing what your advantages are. And you know, he he sometimes would would get she would struggle to get all the way to the room in college. But you know what he did? He would use spins, half turns, euro steps, floaters to get off really good shots because he he knew what he could do and what shots to get off to, and very rarely was was he getting blocked at at the rim. And he's six eight. He has legit size. So the more that he can really use his size and his strength to create even more space in the NBA, and there'll be more space for him to operate in in the NBA as well as the spacing will be better playing with better players naturally in the NBA than he was at Oklahoma State. That's nothing against Oklahoma State. It's just the NBA versus college, just the difference of player level. So it's really just for him, the area of improvement is, one, can he handle the pressure and all that comes with being the number one pick? The pressure, the expectation, he's going to a losing franchise of late, in most likely in Detroit. How can he handle that stuff? That's number one, and that's something that you that you just can't know. But the fact he went to Oklahoma State, the smaller school, took him to the Sweet 16, I, I don't have too many con- concerns about that. And it's, you know, like every guard, he needs to improve his his ball handling. He struggled a bit with ball pressure against Baylor, who was the best defensive team in the country last year. The more he can control and be a real point guard, work on his handle, tighten that up, and really be a lead guard in the NBA, this guy has a chance to to be a really good player, to be an all-star at the next level. How many guys can score 20 points a game in a major conference as as a freshman? Shoot 40% from three, 85 from the free throw line. So that shows his shooting numbers weren't really a fluke and, hey, maybe even get better. Mechanics are, are really good. So there's a lot to be excited about with Cade Cunningham. It's hard to find areas of improvement of you know things he need to work on because a lot of it is just, hey, he's 19 years old. He's going to improve as an athlete. He's going to get stronger. He's going to get faster. He's going to get quicker. All that type of stuff is, once he's a professional, all those stuffs, I think he will improve at the way that Dodgers has improved at, the way that every player has improved at in the NBA. For the most part, when you put in, you know, when you have those resources available, they all get stronger. So if you were, oh, Cunningham, you know, needs to get stronger stuff. Well, that's going to happen in the NBA. So a lot to be excited about. But the big thing is you get a 6'8 guy who can really score and shoot the way that he can with good shooting mechanics, good moves, mid-range from three at the rim, three levels, knows how to use his body, and all that stuff will get better. I I mean, he's he's the number one pick to me. I think he'll go number one. I think Detroit, uh, at this point, you know, I haven't watched everyone yet, but he seems like as as likely and as quote unquote safe as a number one pick as as you can find. So that'll do it for this episode of the Double Double. If you like this podcast, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever your podcast, where you could subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars would be much, much appreciated. You can also follow us on Twitter at DBL underscore DBL Podcast. We'll be back Monday. Take care and make it a great day. <laughs>